This episode is brought to you by FastBitcoins.com. FastBitcoins.com allows you to buy Bitcoin easily and safely in physical locations in the UK, Canada, and Estonia, and they're expanding quickly. They are the world's first cash-to-lightning exchange, delivering your Bitcoins right over the Lightning Network. They also have integrations with Samurai Wallet and Breeze Lightning Wallet, and more coming soon. Fast Bitcoins offers users the ability to stack sats without giving up too much personal information, and the business never holds customers' Bitcoins. Find Fast Bitcoins vouchers on BitRefill and physical point-of-sale retail outlets in a growing number of places. Check out the FastBitcoins.com interactive map to find the location nearest you. Hello, Bitcoiners. My name is Ansel Lindner, and this is Bitcoin and Markets. On this show, we honestly explore Bitcoin to the best of our ability. We take a look at stats, metrics, the tech, and the economics behind it all. My goal is to stay ahead of the curve and to take you along with me. Thanks for joining me. Let's go. Bitcoiners, my people, welcome back to the show. Not a crazy week. Pretty stable price, pretty stable metrics, and not a lot of stuff going on in the news. It's a very calm before the storm feeling. And trust me, the storm is coming. So if you're new to the show, what we do here a lot is we talk about price, we talk about fundamentals, and we talk about news items. I do this from a Bitcoin maximalist perspective. I mean, I call myself a Bitcoin maximalist, but really I am a skeptic. I look at all of the arguments and I evaluate them all on the same like scale. So I don't give any free rides to the number 100 altcoin. Like it has to meet the same standard as Bitcoin and it just can't, right? So if you're new to the show, that's what you're going to get. Also, uh, the show notes for this episode will be at the website bitcoinandmarkets.com forward slash E177. So it's episode 177. If you'd like to support the show, bitcoinandmarkets.com forward slash support. Um, we've done a couple live streams over the last couple weeks for the Patreon members, and I'm still working out the bugs with OBS and the way it works with, um, with YouTube, but I think some of the content has been pretty good and I'm working on it. So it's going to get better and better. I want to do two of those a month. That's my goal. I will do at least one a month. Um, plus we have another series over there that's running called Bitcoin is freedom. Haven't done a lot with that recently, but we are releasing an episode here really soon. That's all over on Patreon. Also with Patreon, you get the member access on discord. So I drop a ton of extra links. I mean, I spend probably 50% of my time on discord in the member area just dropping stuff there um, and discord is really fun lastly these are the admin notes up front lastly sign up for the fundamentals report uh, that you can find that on the website uh, that is a supplement to this podcast it has charts of all the metrics the price some trends that we don't talk about on the show as well as like links that I talk about here. So that is a must if you are wanting to follow the show. Okay, let's get into the content. All right, guys, let's get into the eToro price talk. eToro is the world's leading social trading platform. You can interact with other traders, follow successful traders, get followed yourself. You can even start with a free demo account. Use my link in the show notes. Price right now on Bitstamp, 9855 9855 Like I said in the intro, it's been pretty flat price. 
not super exciting. I did call the head and shoulders there on in our Discord trading room. I did call that uh, about 12 hours prior to it uh, confirming. And then uh, at, I had a target of 9,500 at the bottom, which I believe it hit. Let's see. Yeah, it hit 95.14 on Bitstamp. So that pretty much uh, confirmed that head and shoulders. And we're going lower. Uh, now, this is not a bearish, bearish scenario. I am a longtime bull. Uh, I think that Bitcoin could go to, you know, a million dollars, $10 million, $100 million even. If if, Bit, if Bitcoin gets to a $100 trillion market cap, which I think it could, and there's multiple reasons behind why I think it could get that high, um, then, you know, we're looking at, what is that, about 50 million dollars per bitcoin so long time i'm i'm a bull but it's going to take a long time to get there in the short term price is set on the margin and i'll say that again price is set on the margin so when you're looking at these charts which i believe in ta a lot of these people like me that are in the bitcoin maximalist side they're bitcoin hardcore people and they poo poo on ta that's not the case at all you can i mean if you believe in things like shelling point, which is a psychological thing, then you have to believe in other psychological things or else you're inconsistent. Um, so TA works. TA matters. Of course, people can go crazy with it, but basic fundamental stuff. Uh, you have to have a mix with fundamentals in there, though. You have to know what's going on in the market. Um, but price is the only thing that matters. Price is the only thing that matters. <laughs> it is like even as an Austrian economist or anybody will tell you that a market price is the uh, consolidation of all like quote unquote available information in the market. It is the the thing that tells you what's happening out there. So price is the only thing that matters. And studying price and studying market psychology, studying the fundamentals, you can get a good read on the marketplace. Now, I do think that dollar cost averaging, DCA, is the best way to invest in the space, especially if you are kind of um, part-time, I guess, like, uh, you know, just paying attention to it for a few minutes a day or an hour a day or something like that, then yes, DCA is the best thing to do. But if you're hardcore and deep down into it, then you can um, make better decisions, right? Like, for example, if the price drops by 10% in a single day, um, you probably want to maybe move some of your DCA up to that time. If you're going to buy three days after the price just dropped 10%, you might want to move that DCA up to that point because – you know, you could be making a better buy then. If you wait three days, the price might have recovered. So uh, there, it, there is a lot of practical wisdom in there. But anyway, back to the price being set at the margin. So I agree with the idea of hodlers of last resort. Um, you know, this is the fundamental value here is carrying wealth into the future, hodling wealth today into the future. Um, but price is set on the margin. So it is the weakest hands in the market that sets the price. The weakest hands set the price. So you had to get into the psychology of the weakest hands. Uh, if you want to 
understand the price movements. If you're not concerned about the price movements that, and you just want to, you know, hodl it for five years, that is perfectly fine. But me personally, and I would say 99% of people here want to make educated buys. Even if you're just stacking sats, every Saturday you're stacking sats. That's great. But if you could stack sats on Friday instead of Saturday this week, you know, and get a tiny bit more fraction of stat sats and stack a few more sats, wouldn't you want to do that? Or what if you wanted to wait till Monday? So you held off on Saturday and you want to wait till Monday to stack your sats. Right? That so there is practical wisdom here. There is actionable things that come from this type of analysis. And I, I really get tired of the people that just uh, poo-poo on this. I mean, I think th- th- they have some argument that long-term it's going up. <laughs> but if they don't watch the price, uh, I don't know. How do they even make any decision about this? Plan? How do they make any decision what to invest in if they don't look at a price? I mean, we're talking about money. Prices... That's the central thing about money. So if you're poo-poo, if you're all about money and you're poo-pooing on like studying prices, you're crazy. <laughs> I just, I don't get this, this logical, uh, roadblock that people have. Maybe it's because they don't have time to spend on it and then they can get, their money will get taken by other people. That's true. If you're, if you're just spending 30 minutes a day, or like I said, five minutes or up to an hour or something, you're, you're spending a small amount of time every day on this, then yes, your, your money will probably get taken if you're actively trading. Like if you want to trade every day, uh, your money will get taken. But if you just want to maybe change your DCA over to Friday instead of Saturday or whatever, you know, that, that's legit. Okay. And anyway, okay. Let's, so that's price. Uh, I think that it is probably going down. I still have my target of 85,000. I think the likelihood is lower. Of course, we could come up in the meantime. A lot of people were saying, oh, this is a lower low or a higher low. This is not a higher low yet. Um, that would be confirmed by if we can break up to, say, 11,000, then this would be a higher low. But as of right now, it's not a higher low. We're still trending down. So if you're new to the show, again, I know I have a few new listeners. Um, I hope to be getting more. So share this around, people. Share it around to uh, your friends and family, your meetups or whatever. Um, anyway, so on light, uh, sorry, this is hash rate. So on mining, we have two kind of numbers and that is hash rate and difficulty. One is external to the, to the protocol. That's hash rate. That is the raw power of the mar- of the miners and how many guesses can they make to find the proper solution to this problem that gets them Bitcoins. Okay. So that's the the actual, the raw power behind the mining process. Um, the internal metric that we talk about is called difficulty and that's set by the algorithm that's set by the protocol. Um, what it tries to do is it targets roughly 10 minutes. So you have all of these guesses happening and probabilistically the average time of those guesses needs to come out to 10 minutes. If it's faster than 10 minutes, what happens is the difficulty goes up and it, makes it so it's harder to guess and the guess time will 
come out to 10 minutes. If the guesses happen longer than 10 minutes, like the average is say 10 minutes and 30 seconds or something, then the uh, difficulty will go down so that people can find those answers faster, find the solutions faster. Uh, those are the two kind of numbers. So difficulty is internal. Hash rate is external. Hash rate has been going up a lot lately, of course, with difficulty. Um, so we're definitely hash rate and difficulty are confirming this bull market is starting again in Bitcoin, but that doesn't mean we're going to go up right away, right? We have to have corrections along the way. Um, and oh, talking about being set on the margin. So those weak hands, um, yes, Bitcoin is manipulated. Newsflash, Bitcoin is freaking manipulated. Uh, that's, that, everything is manipulated. Every market is manipulated. And so what we're looking at here is that is it cheaper to push the price down? Because these whales that manipulate the price, they make money off of volatility. So is it easier to push the price down at this moment in time? Or is it easier to push the price up? That's what we're questioning. And right now, it's easier to manipulate it down. And you have all these people saying we're going to the moon. We have all these hardcore people like myself, but <laughs> that aren't into technical analysis and, and uh, predicting the price movements. They will, they will tell you that, you know, this is inevitable. And it's happening right now. It is happening right now, but it's happening very, very slowly. And in the meantime, we have these fractal patterns that we're going to go down. There are going to be times that we go down in price. Yeah, that's it's set on the margin and uh, you have to worry about how uh, easy or cheap is it to move the price, to manipulate the price from these whales. Well, if it's easier to manipulate the price up because there's euphoria in the marketplace or there is, um, you know, the order books are shallower on the top than the bottom, then the price is going to move up. And if it's the opposite way, the price is going to go down. Of course, there's short squeezes all in there, but that gets a little bit more in depth. That's just a primer on what we're talking about here. But let's get back to hash rate. Um, one of the things about hash rate uh, is that it follows price. Hash rate follows price. As price goes up, um, these miners will invest more money in more hash rate, um, more computer power to find the Bitcoin and mine it. So uh, hash rate follows price. What we've seen over the last two months or so was a significant increase in hash rate. As price went up 3x, hash rate did go up. We had a 7% increase in difficulty and a 14% increase in difficulty. This last one that just happened a couple days ago, this difficulty change was only, it was basically even. It was negative half a percent. And the, the estimated next difficulty adjustment, because you can estimate it by following that average, right, is, uh, is perfectly flat right now. Um, so hash rate has caught up to price. And uh, of course, I said on la uh, other shows that uh, what this does, what difficulty and hash rate, what they can do is they smooth out price movements and give you some insight here. Also, miners have different demand. They have different information than traders or economists or whoever else is following this. Um, and as they look at it, you know, they know what their costs are. 
of different equipment and power around the world. They'll know all the different power rates from maybe they have different locations and, and all this stuff. So they have different information. Plus they know, uh, people are trying approaching them more often or trying to buy Bitcoin more often. Uh, maybe they have contracts like some big buyer wants to buy the next thousand Bitcoins that they mine. I, I don't, I'm not really, um, I'm not super up on exactly how all these contracts work with mining, but you know, you can see how that would be, uh, a part of this. So miners have different information than the rest of the market, and you can get a glimpse of that through the hash rate and through the difficulty. So anyway, it looks like difficulty is flat. Hash rate is relatively flat, uh, and it has caught up with price. So we'll see as, uh, this is confirming to me that we are in a drawdown or a consolidation or a pullback or however you want to name it. I'm kind of calling it a mini bear market, which is a little ironic because for most of the bear market, I was saying we're not in a bear market. But that's because just the way the fundamentals were working, the hash rate was still going up and and all of these things, lightning was expanding. Um, and so we weren't, I guess, in a bear market. Right now we are in this like, kind of plateau, if you will. Um, so we'll have to see how it goes over the next, I would say we're going to have a decision in the next two weeks. We're going to have, something is going to break, something is going to happen. Maybe we wick down and we pop right back up out of that 8,500 area. Um, that would be, to me, that would be a very good signal that uh, there's heavy demand um, and we have concluded the consolidation pullback and we're going up. Of course, uh, I'm also looking at RSI. So this is a little bit more on price. Um, the RSI on the daily, I would like to see it hit oversold at 30 or lower. And we'll see if that, if that happens over the next two weeks. Okay. Let's, that's price and hash rate <laughs> kind of jumped around there. Let's go on to lightning. All right. So lightning, I'm looking at one ml.com for slash statistics. And what they do here is they track the public side of the lightning network. Um, for a long time, I've been talking about this lightning plateau where these numbers have been plateaued for a long time. Um, but then recently I discovered that all of the different downloads that these other wallets have, and most of these wallets are running full lightning nodes, which are much light, uh, much more lightweight than um, big, full Bitcoin nodes. They can run a lightning node on a phone, for example. Um, but it, it turns out that like Zap Wallet, 25,000 downloads, and we have other mobile wallets that have in the thousands of downloads. So uh, when we look at the number of nodes here, these are public nodes. Those are more private nodes. Okay. These are public nodes and they're liquidity providers or businesses, people that want to get connected on the network. Um, you know, uh, if you're a retail outlet and you want to have people using your node, you're going to open up a bunch of channels with other people and, you know, accept or spend Bitcoin and you're going to be a public node. So that's what this one ml.com is measuring right now. The light, these public nodes are still increasing slightly, roughly 5%, three to 5% a month, which is pretty healthy. Of course, the private nodes are increasing at that rate or more themselves but what they're what they're showing here is 9100 nodes 9100 nodes um i would say it's probably three times that uh, so the entire lightning network is roughly 30000 nodes um the the capacity 
on this one ml site the public capacity is 900 bitcoins or right around nine million dollars and again i think it's roughly three times that uh, for the total network capacity um we're looking at about 30 million uh, maybe a little bit less than that uh 28 million dollars worth of bitcoin as total capacity of lightning network um yeah, and the last thing I'll say about this, I mean, this is kind of uh, repetitive of other shows that I've said, but, you know, we're waiting for the total capacity of Lightning Network to get higher so that more people want to come in, more people want to offer um, maybe retail services or other services uh, with the Lightning Network, other payment services. Um, $30 million capacity is not, like, tempting to a lot of people. But if you're talking about $100 million or $300 million, that's going to be more tempting for people to start their services, maybe build games that incorporate lightning, you know, et cetera. So uh, that, that number just has to increase. One way to do that is increase the price of Bitcoin. Of course, if the price of Bitcoin doubles, the network capacity in dollar terms doubles as well. Um, so there is that respect. Plus just these smaller use cases, right? It's like maybe darknet markets or, cam girls or um small games get built out and people want or even spending maybe people are spending on lightning and so like some of these use cases build a small amount of support and they can plus up the capacity that way as well so but as a mainstream quote-unquote mainstream uh, i don't think we'll see much movement until we have a, a much higher network capacity okay so that's Lightning Network. Let's move on to the news items. All right, first news item up here is CFTC to probe whether BitMEX broke rules allowing Americans to trade. The Commodities Future Trading Commission has launched a probe into BitMEX to determine whether the exchange has broken rules by allowing U.S. customers to trade. Um, this is interesting, okay? This has kind of been an open secret here in Bitcoin that... If you have a VPN, you can create an account and log into BitMEX and trade. All right. And that's pretty well known. Um, I don't, <laughs> I don't want to get BitMEX in trouble because I like them, but th like that's, of course, the regulators know this already. What is, uh, this is pretty big news. I mean, this is bigger news than the tether, the tether court case in New York, which I guess I, let me touch on that real fast. So there was, um, uh, some evidence that they had been dealing with New York customers that was released by or uh, uh, provided by the New York Attorney General's investigation. And it turns out that they were just like employees of foreign entities and that happened to live in New York. And there's case law saying that uh, employees of foreign entities don't count uh, as New Yorkers under the oversight of these, uh, you know, like the New York attorney general. So very interesting developments there on Tether, but Tether is still fighting. They're still fighting the jurisdictional fight. They're fighting the good fight for Bitcoin. They're fighting the good fight for all of these uh, altcoins, even in the space. Um, everybody should be backing Tether against the overreach of these governments. But anyway, okay, let's get back to the CFTC thing and BitMEX. So BitMEX's volume has decreased since this probe was launched. This could have some far-reaching effects. Um, I don't know what the fallout will be, whether it will be more KYC on BitMEX, that's likely, um, or if it will be a fine or nothing. 
Who knows? Maybe Bifinex will fight the good fight like Tether is fighting. And, uh, you know, nothing will come of this for a long time. Maybe this will go back and forth for a long time. Who knows? But CFTC has been friendly, relatively friendly to Bitcoin. So this is an evolving story. All right, let's move on to Backed. So this is an article from Bitcoinist.com. Headline, Backed begins Bitcoin futures user testing on schedule. I think it's a very deceptive headline, which is not a good start because Backed is way behind schedule. They are almost a year behind schedule. They were supposed to be launched last year already, and now they're just launching testing now right? So on schedule, yeah, that reminds me of uh, Ethereum's kind of hard forks. They might have a schedule hard fork for this day, but then it, it actually gets pushed back and it, it uh, forks two weeks later and they say, oh, everything went off as scheduled. No, it it didn't go off as scheduled. <laughs> you pushed it back. You delayed it. So yeah, this is on schedule for the fifth schedule but it doesn't really i mean that whole thing is just crazy and it's deceptive so it doesn't make me want to trust what they're saying here um anyway so uh backed for those people that don't know it's a uh well it's a subsidiary of ice which is intercontinental exchange they also own the New York Stock Exchange. So this is a very big player in the space and a very big effort uh, by the owner of the Intercontinental Exchange. He has taken, excuse me, he has taken a big interest in Bitcoin. But what they're doing, what they want to offer is just like next day swaps, maybe longer dated futures in the future. But, um, we already have this. Ledger X does this and they have very low volume. It's like a hundred bitcoins a day on their next day swap, uh, roughly a thousand bitcoins of open interest. Um, it's not that big of a deal. And so backed, uh, it's, it's a non story in my opinion. A lot of people talk about it, but, uh, it is n- not exciting to me. Okay. Let's move on to the next one. Next one is U.S. Treasury Secretary warns of new crypto regulations. This is a Bit Magazine, I'm sorry, a Bitcoin Magazine article. I like Bitcoin Magazine because they're supposed to be more Bitcoin centric. They announced that they're going to be more Bitcoin centric. And I think they're roughly 90% Bitcoin at this point, which is good, but they still, you know, whatever they try. So, uh, but I like them. They, uh, I go to Bitcoin Magazine to, because they don't overwhelm you with stories. Like maybe Coindesk might publish uh, 25 or 50 things a day. Um, Bitcoin magazine, you know, is, is a manageable five to 10. And so you can, uh, it's, it's much easier to stay up on exactly what you want here. But anyway, um, so yeah, the U S treasury secretary, that's Steven Mnuchin, and he warns of new, uh, regulations coming on Bitcoin. Now <laughs> he was the center of some comic relief here in Bitcoin over the last couple of weeks. He was interviewed twice, I believe on CNBC, uh, morning squawk box, I believe it's called the show. And it has Joe squawk. I don't know who his last name is. That is the main host. And he asked Mnuchin, um, because the big thing is that Bitcoin will be used for terrorist financing or money laundering or illicit purposes, drugs, and et cetera. Well, Joe asked, Hey, what about the U.S. dollar? Like, isn't that the most used thing for all of these, <laughs> all these purposes? And Mnuchin, like with a straight face said, I don't think that the dollar is used for any of those illicit purposes. <laughs> it's just, 
it was sad and hilarious at the same time. So <laughs> you can't really trust what this guy's saying. I mean, he is an elite elite. Um, he, uh, okay. So you remember the Panama papers from a couple years back? He was listed in the Panama papers as using dollars for illicit investments <laughs> for evading taxes. And <laughs> this guy's just said that the dollar is not used for this. I mean, the irony is mind blowing here. But anyway, so Mnuchin, he is quoted here, um, quote, you're looking, uh, we're looking at all crypto assets. Uh, okay. <laughs> Before I go on to the rest of that quote. No, they're not. They, they are looking at Bitcoin. Are you telling me they're looking at the hundredth coin? I mean, at the least you have to say that they're looking at top tier, right? Top tier altcoins and Bitcoin. Um, but. I mean, look at Libra. Look how they, what they've done to Libra. They've dragged him in front of Congress. You know, they could shut it down if they wanted to. They could just say, you know, kill it, DOA it right away. They could do the same thing to all of these altcoins. So you're telling me a network in Facebook with 2 billion users or whatever the number is and the power behind Facebook can't beat the U.S. government and Congress? But Ethereum will that has a market cap of 20 billion. That's way, way overpriced. It should be, uh, 20 million. <laughs> but, um, so you're telling me that Ethereum is going to be able to beat these guys? No way. They're going to drag Joseph Lubin up there and Vitalik and everybody right in front of Congress and humiliate them. So they're not looking at all crypto assets, right? That, well, okay, let me put it this way. They want to regulate Bitcoin and they want to make the way easy for the altcoins because they want altcoins to compete with Bitcoin. They want altcoins to do their dirty work. They want, they want, the U.S. government wants an altcoin season. <laughs> I tell you, they want an altcoin season because that's going to hurt Bitcoin's dominance. That's going to hurt, uh, like the narrative of Bitcoin, at least for another couple of years, you know, extend and pretend. Let's get on with this. Uh, so that's, <laughs> oh my God, that was a long break in of the first part of this quote. Okay. Continuing. So the, he said, uh, we're looking at all crypto assets. Um, we're going to make sure we have a unified approach. And my guess is that there are going to be more regulations that come out of all of these agencies. So he's talking about the IRS, the SEC, the CFTC, uh, FinCEN, um, on and on and on all the alphabet agencies. They are coming for Bitcoiners. And I have said this till I'm blue in the face. And a lot of people, even the hardcore people, they don't want to, they don't want to believe this, right? They, they're coming for Bitcoiners. And maybe I'm putting myself out there because this is my real name, right? I'm being public about this. You know, you wouldn't trust me if I was hiding behind a pseudonym. Um, they're coming for Bitcoiners and don't get it twisted. They're coming for Bitcoiners. I don't know how they're going to do it yet. They might do like on ramps or I call them fiat off ramps. They might go after fiat off ramps, clamp down on them more. They, they might make different taxes for Bitcoin gains versus other capital gains. Um, I don't know, but I tell you what, they're coming after Bitcoins because they can't. Okay. Their power 
The only reason why we have the government system that we have now is because of the printing of money. It's not because it's so great. Look at all of the populist movements around the world. They're all revolting, right? People will, that people will participate in peaceful commerce no matter what. Are you telling me that you partake in peaceful commerce because the law or because that's how you act towards other people? That's the culture. That's your upbringing, you know, other things. It's not the law. If we didn't have the laws we have today, it would be nearly identical. I mean, of course, we'd have different innovation and different investments and, and all that stuff. But your the way you behave in voluntary commerce would be the same. It's the same argument like a lot of, a lot of people have about drugs and, and things like, oh, we can't legalize drugs because we have drugs on every corner. Well, look, would you take cocaine? Or crack if it was legal today? 99% of people will say no. Right? The laws don't stop people from doing those things. If you're going to do them, you're going to do them. It doesn't matter what the law says. Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do crack if it were legal. (laughs) I'm guessing 99% of you wouldn't either. So there is, there's no difference. It, we, ah, I could go on and on. Okay, let's go on to the next story, guys. Sorry about that. I will, I'll try to wrap this up quick because we're running a little bit long. I actually um, had an issue with my audio earlier, so I'm starting a little bit later. I'm trying to get through this fast because um, I have stuff going on here tonight. But all right, so another story from Bitcoin Magazine actually written by the same young gentleman here. He looks very happy, Landon Manning. So what's up, Landon? If you're a listener, give me a shout out. But yeah, another great article here. This is uh, again on regulation and it's India Crypto Regulations Report Calls for Ban. Um, I just wanted to read some of the things. So maybe people are unaware, but India is going after Bitcoin uh, and they have been for a while. Um it's been very rocky. In India has always been rocky for things over the last couple decades. Like M-Pesa, you know, started in, what is it, uh, Eastern Africa, I believe, like Kenya and stuff. Um, they were expanding very quickly. They tried to break into India and, meh, like squashed. I, I don't know if it's the red tape, if it's the system, but India is kind of where good ideas go to die in a way. But, um, so this, yeah, they've been fighting Bitcoin for over a year, I think. They, there was a somewhat uh, well-known exchange over there. What was it called? Like Zeb thing, Zeb pay or uh, I, I can't remember, but uh, it was relatively well-known and then they just squashed it. And there's been a lot of uh, regulatory confusion over there uh, going on. And now it looks like they're going to outright ban Bitcoin. Let me read this. Uh, this is the. For first offenses, this is first time offenders, not like three strikes and you're out. The very first time that you get caught with any Bitcoin, this is what's going to happen to you. So whoever directly or indirectly mines, generates, holds, sells, deals in, transfers, 
deposes or issues cryptocurrency, so that's everybody, shall be punishable with a fine or with imprisonment, which shall not be less than one year, but uh, which may extend up to 10 years or both. That is pretty heavy. So a minimum of one year prison sentence uh, with a fine and or a fine, I guess. Um, that's pretty serious stuff. So they're taking on Bitcoin head on. And I've, I've actually been wondering for a while, who is the first country that's going to take on Bitcoin? I mean, there's been some things like, you know, China has locked down certain access, uh, North Korea or other, even the U.S. has a bit license and stuff, but nobody's like had a direct head on assault on Bitcoin. And maybe it's India here. Maybe India wants to be the example for the rest of the world, because I tell you what, it is not a good place to be taking on head on on Bitcoin. Bitcoin is going to wreck you. If India wants to like put their reputation on the line here, they're going to lose. They're going to lose. And maybe that's a good thing. I mean, I'm sitting here as a Bitcoin holder, as a Bitcoin maximalist, and I'm saying that Bitcoin's going to wreck these people. And I mean, maybe I should be happy. But what I think about is all these innocent people that are, you know, India is just starting to get some disposable income in a lot of uh, of their demographics and they're starting to invest. All these like uh, people that are law-abiding citizens, they're going to get wrecked by this over the next 10, 20 years. They're going to be wrecked. And right now the government of India is sentencing their country to poverty. It's a bad thing. But it has to happen. Are, is, is India going to be the example for the rest of the world? Anyway. All right. I'll leave you guys with that thought. That's all I have for today. Thank you for joining me. My name is Ansel Linder. This is Bitcoin and Markets. Support the show, please. We need your support. Thank you for the patrons that do support. Um, but we need all of your support. So go to bitcoinandmarkets.com forward slash support. There's lots of free ways to support the show. Of course, share it around with your friends and family, your meetups, um, people that you talk about Bitcoin with or, or even crypto. Maybe maybe you know some uh, altcoin maximalists or some multi-coiners that, that you think might enjoy this content. Share it around. Give us a rating on iTunes. Subscribe on YouTube. All of those things are free and it's a great way to support the show. And lastly, sign up for the Fundamentals Report. Support the sponsors. We'll see you guys next time. Peace. Peace.